at SifPop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Sif Pop Writers, Alex. Hi there. As well as Rowan. Hello. We write SifPop.com doing movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with all of that. On the podcast today, though, we're going to talk about a couple coming... Nope, actually, no, we're not. I need to take that out of this part because I just... I'm so ingrained in saying that we're not doing any coming attractions as long as the WGA and SAG After Strike are on are happening. Um, because it feels if the actors can't promote the films, then why should we? Um, so anyway, um, we will do some fun intro stuff and then we'll move on to our SIF topic, which we're talking about the Muppets Most Wanted and Shrek Forever After. Uh, Alex is finally on to finish up that Shrek saga, and uh, Rowan picked Muppets Most Wanted. Um, and then after that, we'll explore the B plot. We're kind of talking about like what would be a fun next Muppets movie, um, which will be really interesting when you find out our history with this franchise. Uh, and then Shrek Forever After, or and then um, we'll wrap up with the spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to talk with our writers this week, guys. Uh, there's been a little bit of news recently, and I look. I, I don't know if there's any credibility to this news. I, I don't know if it's just one of those pe- people are speculating because they can or. <laughs> You know, people are just like, well, you know, writer strike is pretty barren, so let's just start writing up a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and you know, like, it's making things hard because studios aren't announcing much right now because they're not, you know, in active development on a lot of things. So, you know, um, I think that there's uh, um, there's a lot of people that are just like, we need something that's going to get us clicks so we can make money. And you know what? Good for them. Um, but anyway, I've heard a lot of rumors. Um, from multiple different sources saying that seems like Sony might be going back to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Verse and making that Spider-Man 4 movie um, and maybe also even making Spider-Woman in that timeline with Kirsten Dunst. What do you guys, have you like, have you guys seen this? Have you, do you have thoughts on this? What do you, what are your guys' initial reactions? Well, so what I've heard is that um, they're making a Madam Web movie that's coming out. I think it's supposed to come out in February. I don't know if that release date is going to, you we'll know, see. all the release dates are up in the air right now. But that right. stars um, Sydney Sweeney as, I, I don't remember which character she's playing, so I'm going to just look that up real quick. Um, mm-hmm. uh, looks like she's playing Julia Carpenter, who I don't know if that's Madam Web or Spider-Woman. I assume Madam Web, because, you know, that's, that's, that's what the movie's called. Um, but I hear that the plot may have something to do with uh, some sort of time travel shenanigans and someone ki- threatening to or trying to kill uh, Peter Parker as a baby before so that he's not Spider-Man in the future. And so they have to fix that problem. Now, I don't know if that's how like how how true that is. Um, but if that is the case um, and maybe Spider-Man isn't super central to the plot, I feel like they can set it in whatever universe they want to. And then maybe later on retcon it, depending on which actors available or or however they decide you know whichever direction they decide to take it um i certainly wouldn't be opposed to toby uh coming back i i love him i i love the first two of his movies and like the third um but uh i just don't know about kirsten dunst coming back i would love to see it i feel like 
her personally, for her personally, she is in this space where she is like still getting a ton of work and like very prestigious work as well. You know, power of the dog Fargo, like she's doing great for herself. So I don't know if she would come back um, for her, you know, like she didn't come back in, in no way home. And that's, I, I guess that's not an indication of whether she wouldn't come back in the future at all. But I do think it's interesting that, um, that she didn't come back there and, uh, I don't know if, if 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 she'd ever come back, but I'm curious as to your guys. I yeah, I'm not sure if they'd be able to get her for that, but th- I have been hearing some similar rumblings that like uh, that about the Bottom Web movie. How it's kind of like a Terminator story, just with Spider Woman, which I'm all down for. And uh, I could totally see if Sony wanted to do Spider Man Four finally. Like honestly, I'm more surprised that they didn't try to start with that, considering that they love money and they'll try to squeeze every bit of like spider-man out including like that one wrestler that bad bunny was gonna play at some point that got el muerto (laughs) exactly (laughs) so i could totally see it happening i just like i don't know that i care about the spider-woman movie like if it's gonna be with Kristen nuns because like you i don't know that she is interested like i don't like like she hasn't been in another marvel project you know a lot of the people that really felt like they were really into their roles um like have come back for another project you know like uh um um gosh i'm blanking right now or like they like they've they or they've made an or they they've at least been public in saying like i would really like to return to that character you know i think even like emma stone just cut her hair to be like spider gwen and like posted a picture like obviously indicating like Guys, like, I'm still here, you know, <laughs> uh, if you ever want to do live action Spider-Gwen, like, I'm available. <laughs> uh, you know, Andrew Garfield has been pretty public on, like, his love for the character, especially after No Way Home. You know, I think he was down for a little bit, but, um, but like, and you, Tobey Maguire said that that helped him really fall in love with acting again, you know, doing that. Um, but, like, it, you, you just, it seems like we have a lot of, a lot of people that are vocal about coming back or um whatnot you know and now that there's multiverse stuff i feel like it's just easy for studios to be like yeah and i feel like the general population could figure out like what's happening like i feel like if they were to release spider-man 4 let's say like after the amazing spider-man 2 failed box officely like then it would be weird because they'd be mm-hmm. like wait where's the third one and why <laughs> isn't andrew garfield in it oh it's the other guy like i people could have probably pieced it together but like i don't know i feel like all these timelines just don't matter anymore uh, since the multiverse stuff has been introduced and I wonder how much Madam Web is going to affect that because like what's your guys experience with the character of Madam Web? Z- zip zero zilch never read the comic never seen anything so I'm going in with an open mind to my oh yeah same here all I know is Dakota Johnson's going to be playing her and that's a mm-hmm. yeah, right so she is in two of the like PlayStation 3 era Spider-Man games and like pretty heavily in them. She's in uh, Spider-Man Edge of Time and Shattered Dimensions, which are, by the way, both pretty great games. If you have like a PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, like check those out, especially like if you're wanting some familiarity with the character. Um, but it's um, she's essentially like I think from my understanding, she's a mutant, which, you know, they I guess can use now. I was going to say they might have to like retcon that part but um or at least like not specifically say I, it. But, i don't know if sony can use that though well because, but if sony is in agreement with like it maybe oh, it's part right. of their contract right yeah. like because it's it'll be like sony and disney together True. right like yeah um so she is essentially like the overseer of the spider-verse almost kind of like the way that they set up 2099 and beyond the spider-verse but like she's more like a sit down and observe she usually has a cloth over her eyes 
Um, I don't know if it's for a lack of vision or if it's just like a maybe helps her focus, but she essentially like sits on a chair in a central command room and observes all the spider verses and can like assist. And so like in edge of time, um, you're playing as the amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2099. And so she's like communing with the two of them, like, and, and essentially making that bridge for the two of them to work together. And then in shattered dimensions, it's, um, uh, Mysterio has like broken this really powerful tablet into multiple pieces of multiple different spider verses. And then like you have to play as multiple different Spider-Man to, um, to like retrieve these pieces of tablet. So um, like you have to, so it's, she's essentially able to connect all these worlds. She's it's yeah, it's, it's kind of like, kind of like professor X, but if professor X was overseeing the multiverse, like as opposed to just the X-Men, you know, mm-hmm. if he was overseeing, you know, a, a bunch of different like there's, there hasn't really been like a, a big time MCU um, like person that feels similar. Like, yeah, maybe maybe like they were it, it, there was a while there where it, it kind of felt like they were um, going to make Stan Lee's cameos. This character <laughs> called um, the not collector was over overseer, the, the or, watcher, the watcher. Yes. Yeah. Um, except the watcher just watches he doesn't like interfere anyway so well theoretically (laughs) yeah we all know how that happens thanks to fringe um (laughs) so anyway like i really like the character i think it's a really cool concept and i think like introducing this will just give them the freedom to like let's make spider-man 4 and the spider-woman and still do our tom holland stuff and like like i just don't know that i care about spider-man 4 like unless raimi's back now if raimi's back i'm interested um but just i'm much more interested in the amazing spider-man 3 um and yeah i especially like if it's to take place after spider-man no way home like because i guess that's that's the thing that both these have to wrestle with now because like spider-man 4 was eventually gonna was gonna have john malkovich's vulture (laughs) um it's like would they still go with vulture because vulture's already been an mcu villain like um you know, where they do something different, like amazing Spider-Man or uh, like Spider-Man No Way Home kind of alludes to Peter Parker going down a really dark path, like after the events of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, do we see that or do we see him? And then we get told that via flashback, like, like, how do they handle that? So, like, I'm, I'm really interested in that franchise continuing. Right. I don't know how interested I am in Spider-Man 4. Again, if Raimi's back, I'm back. But like, I'm much more interested in a Spider-Gwen with emma stone than i am just spider woman with kirsten dunst Mm -hmm. yeah i think it'd be way too confusing to do a new amazing spider-man 3 or spider-man 4 so since you already canceled them i just say cancel them put them together nobody will question Mm -hmm. watch all that money coming at the box office i mean that could be fun right um i don't know it could be could be confusing too yeah um spider-man three quarters there you go yeah um just spider-man three and retcon you know the original Spider-Man three. Um, I'll take it. No, it's I, I. I'm I'm genuinely fascinated to see all where, where all this is going, and ultimately, I I believe it'll it'll go nowhere. Yeah, um, no, I I I agree. Again, especially with the like Spider-Man four stuff, like, and but but I'm also really interested too because Tobey Maguire's got to be what like I think he was like 25 when the first movie came out, and that was 22 years ago. So he's got to be like mid 40s, like mm. push uh, close to 50. Yeah, like it's 40, 48. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Like 
how do you make a Spider-Man movie starting a 48 year old? I'm really interested in that. Uh, maybe this is their opportunity to like do their live action Miles Morales, you know, like where Spider-Man can be kind of that mentor, you know, to the next guy. Um, you know, maybe that's a good way to do that. But I, I'm like, I'm really interested because it has to be a lot more clever. It can't be just like, look, Spider-Man do some cool things, you know, Spider-Man do a flip and he does. That. I mean, I think I think even Andrew Garfield was like almost 30 by the time that like he was doing Amazing Spider-Man because he just has a baby face. Like he's he's maybe like 36 or so. He's older than he looks. Um, I'll that's I'd have to take a look but either way. Like uh, 39. Really, Close. Wow. Yeah. Uh, even though I knew he was older than he looks, that still shocked me. Anyway, <laughs> like, I'm really curious. How do you do Spider-Man starring a 40 year old? Cause we haven't seen it yet. Cause all the Spider-Man stuff that we've seen so far is, you know, high school, it was high school and then it was high school and college. And then it was back to high school. Um, and even like Miles Morales is high school. Like we've not really seen older Spider-Man yet. So, well- uh, he wants which, like, I know he's around, you know, like, I know that, like, that's in the comics, but I'm saying, like, in film form, and especially, like, just practicality, you know, it, it's not believable to see a 40-year-old 40 40 man doing the same stuff, kind of stuff, you know? Right. So. He wasn't really 50 in, in, into the Spider-Verse. I'd give it, like, mid-30s, late-30s at most, but. Oh, you mean. I'm wait. talking about into the Spider-Verse, that version of Peter Parker, oh, which God, is kind of close. I was thinking Miles Morales, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, no, no. But, but yeah, uh, the, the the original, the Chris Pine Peter Parker, the Jake Johnson one. Uh, either or, they they kind of both just seem different based on the universe. But around the age wise, I'd argue they were about the same. Yeah, but I would I would and, go like maybe what like mid thirties for them. Like, oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they were definitely like in that camp. They weren't fifties yet, but like that kind of gives me an idea of what you could do with an older Spider Man. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think ultimately, like, it has to lead to mentorship, you know, even if it's like give them one movie and at the end you tease Miles Morales, you know, um, you know, or or different character, you know, um, mm-hmm. or how about, you know, or kind of like you said, Alex, maybe how about each of them get their own individual movie that leads to the universes connecting and then there's just one Spider-Man you know, between the two of them, and then he's going to mentor. I don't, it's all confusing, and I'm sure Sony's got a plan, and I'm sure it sucks. Yeah. Sorry about that. My dogs are um, hanging out today. Oh, that's cool. I say they're welcome. (laughs) Nice. Well, I'm already kind of tired of this conversation. I'm really not looking forward to it continuing over the next however long it does. Yeah. Um, But um, at a certain point, it just gets kind of repetitive. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, let's move on to a game. We played this game last week and I'm thinking about just doing this like as long as the coming attractions aren't there because it kind of kills a little bit of time, but I think it's also kind of fun. Um, we're going to play a game called Wavelengths. Wavelengths is, um, I'll explain it again. Um, in case you didn't listen last week, listener, uh, in which case shame on you, but then also, uh, whatever. Um, so the way this game works is, um, I, um, am going to take off my headset and you guys are going to communicate. Um, and you are going to essentially tell, uh, decide on a number collectively. And that number will be one through 10. And the two of you have to decide on one number um, collectively. And then I am going to ask you guys for a film in a genre that you would rate this number out of 10. And then essentially I have to guess what number you guys came up with collectively based off of the number that you guys decided together. So does that make sense? Like, let's say, for example, you guys decide on the number 10 collectively and then i get my headset back on and say all right give me an example of a horror film that you would consider a 10 out of 10 and let's say rowan says the shining and alex says 
Dr. Sleep and um and then I say give me a comedy and Rowan says book smart and Alex says super bad or something. I don't know. Um uh, just trying to throw out examples. You know, and Sounds so good. and then I yeah. and then at the end I just have to be like, you know what? I think you guys have I think the number is this. So um that's how that'll work. So I'm gonna take off my headset. You guys commune, you decide on a number, uh maybe like block your mouth so I can't see and just give me a thumbs up whenever we're ready to uh uh to to, to join. Yeah? So thumbs up? Give me a thumbs up whenever I'm ready to put my headset back on. Whenever you okay. guys have collectively decided on a number one through ten. All right. So All I'll right, try to hide my mouth with the microphone. Yeah, that works. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing ASMR. Yeah. Um, All, right. All right. I'm not married to any particular number, but we shouldn't do something like one because I feel like there are not as many movies that we would rate there. Okay, that's fair. What are you What are you thinking? Do you have any particular ideas? Well, here's the thing. I don't know how well he knows my tens, so I that's think in a weird fair. way, ten would make it really hard for him. Yeah. Oh Should yeah, do you want to go with that? Yeah, let's do oh, ten, yeah, especially because he, he might not be expecting it because he because uh, he said that as uh, he used that as the example. Yeah, already. Right, cool. Let's go All for right. it. Go ten. We're ready. Come back, Mister Host, sir. Okay, so I have five different genres. You guys are each going to give me a film that you would rate this out of ten. You guys have your number. The audience knows the number. I'm the only person right now that doesn't know the number. Um, let's start off with uh, let's give me a sci-fi film that you would rate that number out of 10 sci-fi um i am going to go arrival all right um gonna dig deep for this one all right i feel confident with this one i'll go with uh x-men days of future past man you guys make me think this is 10 out of 10 um let's go with a a romance movie romance yeah rom-com or um anything that could be like in that hmm well, I feel like a lot of mine might be pretty telling, but I'm going to go with your name. Oh, yeah. Uh, I um, This one might give me away. Ah, <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be bold and say this is how I really feel about this movie. Last Christmas. Okay. I used last Christmas last week <laughs> as my example for seven out of. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's go with a horror film. What's a horror film that you would do say is a 10 out of 10? Is it, is it a 10 out of 10? Is that your guess? So, Oh no! I'm sorry. It, it, whatever number you decide, I'm, I'm I'm still leading ten out of ten. Um, but I'm not. I, I won't guess until I've gotten all the examples okay. like, officially. Um, I'll update you what I'm thinking. Sounds good. Uh, I'm going the menu. Ooh, that's a good one. All right. Uh, all right. All right. I'll go with nope. Nope. All right. Well, I know you really love that movie. <laughs> We're for sure at least on the like love side of the scale, you know. Interesting. Um, Very interesting that you might yeah. think. Let's that. go with a comedy. <laughs> comedy. Oh boy. Well, there's one that I that I know you would get, but I'm gonna go Grand Budapest Hotel. Ooh, nice. I think right. I already know what that ten out of ten. It would be well. I'm, I'm I'm thinking of two right now that would tell, and they're both 2016 comedies. <laughs> Um, gonna go with uh South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Oh, all right, nice. Give me a action movie. Action, action, action. Uh, V for Vendetta. Mm. Love it. Gonna go with uh John Wick three. I'm gonna solidify my guess and say I think you guys are at ten out of ten. Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we are. I, 
I knew from Arrival, because, like, how can Arrival be anything besides a 10 out of 10? That's fair. Like, I, I I threw it. <laughs> and look, I would I would also put X-Men Days of Future Past as a 10 out of 10. But, yeah. like, I could also, like, be convinced that somebody thinks that's, like, a 7 or an 8. Um, and, of course, like, we got V for Vendetta, you know? I couldn't, I, I also couldn't say the nice guys for, uh... For I was like, it's either nice guys or pop star never stop, never yeah. stopping, you know? They're, they're uh, both 10 out of 10s for they're it, because I know you would, um... We've had, I mean, we've talked about the nice guys, I feel like, more than any movie specifically That's together, so, yeah. <laughs> and there's, well, and for rom-com, like, if you'd have picked About Time or Total Sunshine, it's like, right. yeah, there's no way yeah. it's not. Totally, yeah. totally. Very nice. Okay, um, would either of you like a go at this, or would you like to move on? Hmm. See, I don't want to uh, embarrass myself. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with moving on personally, but if you would like to play, I will. I'm, I'm more than down. You know what? I'll play. Why not? Why not? Here we go. All right. And I'm going to change the rom-com category to just jump drama in general. Sounds good. So wait, so in this instance, will I be asking for the genre? Yep. Okay. We'll have to cool. give you the thumbs up. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Let me know when you guys are ready. So I think that we need to, we should go in the lower end of the scale this time. Okay. But question, Mm -hmm. do you think he's expecting that? That's a great question. Probably. How do you feel about five? Mm. I mean, I was going to initially suggest four. That's a good one too. I like it. I thought you were just saying like, what if we did 10 again? Like, cause certainly like maybe he wouldn't see that coming. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that Roman thinks that way. I think he's expecting just any random number, you know? But I think I think maybe I think the middle of the road is a lot of times the hardest to guess because, you know, it's it's like, oh, man, that could be a anywhere from two to seven, you know, like, um, yeah, I would say I'll let you call it. Let's go with four. OK, sounds good. We are good. Rowan. All right. That was some that was some intense discussion you guys were having. <laughs> yeah, we were. It was like uh, Dr. Strangelove in this room for a minute. <laughs> we have our number. Um, so awesome. you're you're. Your categories are, uh, or your genres are sci-fi, comedy, horror, drama, and action. Great. Um, what was the first one? Sci-fi. Sci-fi. All right, I'm going to go with sci-fi. Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Ooh, oh, interesting, because I feel like that could go all across the board, depending on the person. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. good one. Man, um, I was not prepared for that, <laughs> um, which is weird, because I should have been. Um, I'm blinking right now. <laughs> This is this shouldn't be that hard. Wow, I'm the one embarrassing myself. Not you, Rowan. <laughs> um, I'll take your time. I just need to figure out what sci-fi movies are even alive besides, or not alive, but around besides. <laughs> Get brutal with it. Like even if you don't think the quality, what is your definition of that number? You know. Mm, okay, here we go. Um, I'll say the Flash. Whoa interesting all right just had uh, to pull up my letterbox list for this year yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh let's go on to horror i'm gonna go with midsummer interesting a polarizing pick. wow all right <sighs> see aaron's reaction is indicating that to me that this is either a low or middling number um well okay either aaron well i don't know how aaron feels about midsummer is the only thing so aaron has not seen it does not wish to see ah it. okay okay I don't, I don't blame you. Let's go with H2O Halloween 20 years later. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's move on to comedy. Ooh, this is a good one. <laughs> huh. I'm going to go with blockers. Blockers. Ooh, nice. 
Which, never mind. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... Oh, man. I It's slipping my mind, but I cannot think. Uh, We're the Millers. Nice. Oh, I like that choice. Yeah, me too. And again, I don't know what the number is. Uh, Drama or action? Uh, let's do action. I'm going to go with... Stall him for time, because i got to make a pick. I'm going to go with Fast X. Fast X. Okay, I have two guesses, and I need to narrow that down to one. I'll go with uh, John Wick Chapter 2 as my choice. Wow! Especially considering where Chapter 3 was. Wow. All right. Uh, you know what? Why not? Let's just let's just go drama and round it out. I like making you guys suffer and look for picks. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll admit, drama is like that one category where this one might be tricky for me. I mean, drama can one? be anything, right? Like, it could be a rom-com. It could be a th- like a, a thriller. It could be, you know... A, where are we at? Um, here we go. I got this. Uh, 2022's Marry Me. Whoa. Starring Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I like that movie probably more than I should have. Gonna go with Mank. Mank. Oh, yeah. Very good. Some po- right, some some very polarizing picks uh, you, you guys <laughs> have here, which is honestly very, very smart. And I probably should have done that uh, mm-hmm. last time mm-hmm. as well. Um, I am going, okay, so I guess I'll just share my process here. Yep. Um, the polarizing picks makes me think that you're trying to dupe me into thinking that it's higher than it actually is. So right now I'm flip-flopping between five and four, um, just because I feel like a lot of these, I can see both of you putting them pretty much down the middle, um, but maybe slightly on the lower side. So I'm going to go four. You got it. Yeah. You got it. I don't know how, man. Um. Well, especially like, I mean, I try not to give it away with my reaction sometimes, but when you pull out a John Wick 2 is a four, and that's my personal, yeah. was my favorite of the like first three. Like, Interesting. Yeah, that is that man. is really interesting. See, I feel like that that makes sense for a lot of the other ones. For, like, like the Flash is a four for, for, for yeah, me as well. Absolutely. But, but um, Midsummer, I mean, Midsummer is all across the board, but John Wick Chapter 2 especially was, that's very interesting. Well, and like, not only that, but... There's a, you said another one, Alex, and um, I was just like, I hate that. Um, I don't remember which one uh, it was. We're, but it we're, was, we're the uh, Millers, maybe? No, I like. I don't like the uh, Millers. Uh, Phantom Menace. No, I mean, I I would rate it higher, but like, I get it, and I feel like that's a really like good, solid pick. Um, but uh, what uh, was the horror one you said? Uh, it was Halloween H two O. No, no, he said. Oh. Uh, um. Uh, um, Midsummer. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, oh. you just said a couple that I was like, oh, like oh, Mank was the other one I would have commented. Oh yeah, Mank. Because I don't like Mank either. Uh, yeah, me neither. I'm not a huge Mank fan. Not a huge Mank head. <laughs> and and I know there's a lot of people that are just like, why are we listening to Film Club podcast right now? But people are going, whatever. Yeah. Shut up. Um, they can stop boring. listening whenever they want. But please don't. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's two for two. We got them both right. Let's uh, move on then. I have one random question for you guys real quick. Um, I would like to know, what is the greatest gift that you've ever received? Hmm. Um, okay, I this is pretty recent, and I can't say too much about it for various reasons. Um, my partner, uh, her family is uh, close friends with someone who is very big in the entertainment industry. Uh, who someone who I admire for various reasons. And I was um, for 
um, my birthday last year, I was very kindly given uh, a, a a movie poster that they were involved in with uh, with a very personalized message on it, which just made me just made my heart very happy. Uh, and I can't believe that it actually happened. And that is framed on my wall downstairs. So, yeah, that, that is, I remember you sharing that in the Sif Pop. Yes. Slack. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, for me, I think mine is uh, I had recently made a move and this is like halfway across the country, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my friend that I was uh, moving with, uh, shout out to Frank. <laughs> this is a small thing, but like, I really love it. And it sits on my stand all the time. Uh, it's it's a pop figure of old Cap sitting, holding the shield <laughs> on the bench. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like that just really meant a lot to me. It's a small thing, but I love it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with, I thought about like a lot of things because my parents have been very generous. You know, uh, when I bought my house, they're like, hey, we want to buy you a new washer and dryer. And, you know, that's a great gift to receive. <laughs> and like, um, you know, some other stuff along those lines. But uh, um, I remember like the Christmas gift that I was most excited for ever was um, I got a Lego set of Django Fett's ship. I don't know what it was called because I know it was like I I know it's just Slave One but blue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, it was just Slave Zero. Awesome. <laughs> um. Yeah, super awesome. Loved it uh, a lot and loved loved building it and was frustrated when I was carrying it from the kitchen where I built it to my bedroom and it like one of the wings fell and shattered and I had to, like re- anyway. Um. Uh, loved it. I thought it. Cause, I mean, because that ship's cool, right? I mean, it's you know whether it's the Boba Fett or Jango Fett one, you know whatever it's cool and this was like i know that they have a new slave one set out but like it's a relatively miniaturized one but this was like a big hefty thousand piece lego and i was like 10 anyway and no longer called slave one i think i think disney uh cleaned that name right off yeah i think so yeah well let's move on uh again we're skipping the coming attractions until wga sag after strike is over um which hopefully is any day now but realistically is not um So, uh, get a chance real quick. You've heard from Alex and Rowan. If you, if you want to hear more from them, where can they find you, Alex? Let's start with you. Hey, it's Alex here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Makes Vids, and I'm also doing stuff on my YouTube channel every now and again. Uh, at, uh, Alex Reviews and stuff. God, that took me forever to say. Uh, <laughs> currently, and I really mean it this time, am in the middle of my hugest project ever that looks like it could go on for a couple hours, and I'm really excited to get back to it when I can. All right, then. Very exciting. Rowan, what about you? The uh, million you different podcasts. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll be brief, I promise. Um, you can find me on Twitter or X at Bits of Joel or on Letterboxd and Instagram at rowan.a.boat. Uh, I have several other podcasts and ventures. Uh, BelenientCritic.com is one of them. But you can also um, find, I, I, I guess, the podcast. One of the podcasts that I'm most invested in right now is called Runtime Babe. Um, that I do with my partner and we talk about everything, uh, everything under the sun when it comes to pop culture. So definitely check that out wherever podcasts are found. Cool. Nice. By the way, I, I did start listening to Rowan in the Wasteland now that it's oh, on nice. Google Podcasts. Oh, so I very nice. you to know. I had you no idea to tell it was me. on Google Podcasts. <laughs> you forgot to tell me when it came on, but I started listening. To <laughs> oh, that. great. Great. It was not um, my prerogative. I actually didn't know that that was actually in the works. I put in a put in a request yeah. months and months ago, but I'm glad yeah. that it went through. Yeah, no, so that's like the first like 10 or so. Yes. Um, They're short, mercifully. Yes, mercifully. 
Yeah. Uh, but then I got into the Always Sunny podcast. And, of course. <laughs> um, you know, I'll get back into the, yeah. <laughs> the Rowan and the Wasteland. Anyway. Um, also, I mean, you can find me on Rowan's, one of Rowan's podcasts. I don't know when it'll drop, but. Sometime spring... in maybe <laughs> September or October. <laughs> Stay tuned for Franchise Paradiso, wherever podcasts are found. Yeah. Um, and a quick reminder, patreon.com slash popwr if you're interested in more content or early content. Let's get into the topic this week. We're talking about Shrek Forever After and Muppets Most Wanted. We're going to start with Shrek because Muppets leads into our B-plot. Um, so Shrek Forever After. Uh, by the way, quick spoiler warning on both of these movies. I don't really know that it matters <laughs> because they're not necessarily like hefty or serious movies. You know, they're both children's comedies primarily. Um, but uh, we'll talk about the movies and we will um, um, give our rating and discuss how we felt about them. These are both first watches for me. Um, and let's start off with history then. So Shrek Forever After. I'll kick us off by saying... Um, uh, that I grew up with the Shrek one and two, and then I saw Shrek three and it was 2007. So I'd have been 12 and I thought that movie was terrible. <laughs> so why would I go back for the fourth one? And then Alex, we talked about the third one, I think like earlier this year and say February it's bad, but it's not like yeah. as bad as I remember it being. So, um, you know, here we are. Uh, and I remember hearing decent things about Shrek four. So we'll, uh, we'll do Shrek four or we're talking about Shrek four and, um, that's that my, I've seen Puss in Boots. I haven't seen the new Puss in Boots Last Wish yet, uh, but I own it now thanks to Prime Day deals. Nice. So, um, that's my history with the Shrek franchise. Um, never saw this one. So, um, Rowan, since you did not pick this one, let's go mm-hmm. with you. What is your history with the Shrek franchise? Sure. Uh, I remember. So I wasn't alive when the first Shrek came out, um, but I remember seeing it from a very young age, loving it. Uh, and then Shrek 2 and 3 weren't really a part of my childhood very much. I, I think I saw them maybe once, and I haven't seen them since. Um, and this is the first Shrek, Shrek Forever After, that I saw in theaters. And I remember seeing it with my dad. Well, remember in heavy air quotes, uh, seeing it with my dad um, opening weekend. And I remember thinking it was fine back then. Uh, and then revisiting it now, I had a vastly different opinion on it. Uh, much more positive this time around, I'm pleased to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I have had seen it once before, and I was I was glad to revisit it uh, with a with a more, uh, I guess with a with a with a lens um, that comes with uh, with age. Very nice, Alex. Uh, I grew up on Shrek. I've said that the multiple times I've come onto this podcast. Uh, and Shrek uh, Forever After, the final chapter. Uh, I remember watching that one when it came out. I think it was like on DVD. My parents didn't like take me to the theaters. <laughs> but uh, I remembered liking it back then. But I was also doing a transitional period where I wanted to start watching like more mature stuff. So like I remembered liking it, but <laughs> didn't remember much. And... Now we're going to go into what I thought about it today in just a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shrek Forever After is the, like, I guess, final entry in the like main Shrek franchise. Like, I don't think they're, did, maybe, did they announce they're doing a five? There's been oh. a Shrek 5 in development for, like, for as long as I can remember. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> it was definitely intended to it. be, like, I think they even, like, announced it as Shrek, like, the final chapter and then changed it to Forever After or something like that. It was definitely intended to be the last one mm-hmm. when it released. So, um, take that as you will. But Shrek. Um, that'll give us through all the mainline ones on this podcast. Um, uh, this is the Rumpelstiltskin is the villain. Uh, and the like, Sh- they go back in time and Shrek was never born. He's got like 24 hours to fix it. So uh, that's your very brief 
non-IMDb quoted synopsis. Um, let's go in reverse order. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay, Alex? I really liked it. I left uh, feeling really positive this time around. Nice. Rowan? Uh, I liked it, uh, which is much higher on it than I was. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely glad that I revisited it. Uh, I felt like that that bumped it up in my estimation quite a bit. I'm going to go with high side of it's just okay. Um, I, th- I still think it's not necessarily like if you have history with this franchise and if you like or if you've never seen it, I still would say just do Shrek one and two. And it's not even like skip three and go to four. It's just just one and two and stop. Um, Puss in Boots is fine. I hear really good things about The Last Wish. Maybe maybe the trilogy should be Shrek, Shrek 2 and Puss in Boots The Last <laughs> Wish. I don't know. Um, but that's kind of where I land. Like, high side of it's just okay, meaning, like, I was pleasantly surprised, but also, like, didn't really find lots to really love about the movie. So, um, let's get into it. Where do you want to start? How about, how about the animation? Oh, yeah. I loved the animation this time around because a couple months ago, we on this podcast talked about Shrek the third mm-hmm. and there is just like a significant jump in quality from that movie to this one. Not only the animation, but like the way that everything is, sh- I guess, technically shot. Uh, this has more. It's not an action movie, but it has more of an action centric tone. I want to say it's the first Shrek movie to be in widescreen also. So it captures more of. I want to say, uh, I'm trying to think you can feel like they're just trying to, I'll be honest. I'm super tired, (laughs) but, uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like this movie is doing a lot and it's delivering on a lot of what it is going for. And I think it's impressive in parts considering where they started and where we get with this one, basically. Sure. Um, I think that the animation was like remarkably a jump up, but it almost felt too smooth. Like, it kind of felt Uncanny Valley to me. Did you guys feel the same? Interesting. I didn't feel that way, but I can definitely see what you're talking about, especially comparing to the other Shrek movies. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. You know, like, shows like South Park or SpongeBob, where, like, the early animation characters all kind of blend in with one another as the show goes on every now and again they'd have like a celebrity voice cast or something and that character would be like super detailed (laughs) i did kind of get that with the newer characters in this movie like especially that birthday party scene something about the child looked do the roar you yeah (laughs) he looked a little bit more unique than all the other characters that have been around for almost a decade at that point sure so I get that. I, I don't know. It's just something about the animation just felt too smooth. It was almost like when you're watching um, like a, a gameplay reveal trailer. Um, and it's like, I, I, like it, it just kind of felt off-putting to me because I'm like, it's it's done really well. It, it almost felt like I was watching high frame rate. Um, and like it, it worked, but it was also kind of like a, a really different tonal shift, like or visual shift just from the other four movies I've seen in this franchise. So I don't know. I just... It almost felt too smooth, and if it was too smooth, like, I don't know, like, it loses it. I, when I have a fairy tale movie, I want it to still kind of feel separated a little bit, you know? Like, um, you know, like I feel like Tangled is that really, like, perfect animation for fairy tale films. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, just, it's it's really great. It, it just was a little off-putting to me, but it's not it's not a negative. It's, it's really well done. I get that. Um, I... I had a note in here that was just do the roar um, because that was easily the best part of this movie. My, my wife had seen this one, but not in forever. And so like that scene comes on and she's just like, Oh, 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 do the roar. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. And then the kids just like, do the roar, do the roar. And it's just, <laughs> I was like, I get it. 
I understand. Yeah. And that's fun. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, wanted to say real quick the actor who per- i really loved rumple stilskin in this movie i think mm-hmm. that he's my favorite shrek villain since uh fairy godmother and prince charming uh he's played by walt dorn who i recently discovered wasn't actually really a voice actor all that much he worked more in the art department for shrek forever after like he actually worked and storyboarded on shrek the third shrek 2 mm-hmm. and shrek forever after and when they were working on this character he'd actually just make up that voice on his own when they were just doing the storyboards and they were like wait let's just use you as the actual character <laughs> so and that's how he started doing voice acting he's he's like pretty good like i yeah, like yeah. I, I would i would never have known that he wasn't a, you know traditionally an actor he sounded like if you took syndrome from the Incredibles and put him in South Park. <laughs> like that's that's what Rumpelstiltskin sounded like, and I thought it was perfect. Um, nice. Um, like I was since... almost, like I was almost like, is that Matt Smith? No, not Matt. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yes, good. Would it be interesting? <laughs> yeah. Was he, no, it's not Matt Smith. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. I had a good amount of laughs with the movie. I thought it was relatively funny. Mm-hmm. Nothing like over the top, like super memorable. But you know, it the jokes landed more than they didn't. I, guys, I, I also like full disclosure. I saw this movie like three weeks ago. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I, I remember what my notes say. That is um, totally <laughs> totally valid. I um I tend to love like multiverse and alternate universe storylines. I, I just, I just, that's just a bias I have. And so this, this movie, like the, the central plot, I really, really um, appreciate it, especially cause it's, it's something new for Shrek. And like, you know, of course this is a franchise that's not um, a stranger to, to magic. So I feel like anything's possible in this world, this, uh, this, this, this fairy tale world. And so I liked um, that whole aspect of it. And it's also very economical in terms of runtime. Like it feels like it, 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 it moves along pretty fast and doesn't linger on anything longer than it needs to. The only thing I would say that's at the expense of is Shrek has to get Fiona to fall in love with him again in this alternate universe. And it happens, I think way too fast and doesn't feel like genuine to me, but also, you know, there's the true love thing. They're meant to be together, yada, yada, yada. So I understand like the sense it makes in theory i just felt like narrative wise it happens a little too quickly sure yeah i also felt like this movie was repeating a lot of what shrek the third was doing like it almost felt like this movie was trying to retcon it because shrek the third was all about how like shrek didn't want to have kids um and you know and then like this movie was all about like him wishing he didn't have kids and it was like you know wishing he had his freedom which was his fear why he didn't want to have kids so it almost just felt like redundant um like didn't we just do this and maybe they were trying to just retcon shrek the third or uh you know maybe you know maybe they were just like yeah whatever we'll just repackage the same thing the studio's gonna pay us a trillion dollars anyway so um, <laughs> yeah I'll but it, it. like it just felt it just it just felt like the same movie um like i mean obviously different methods but ultimately like shrek makes a decision because he wishes he had more freedom wishes he didn't have his kids you know um and again shrek the third was all about like he wants to keep his freedoms he doesn't want to have kids not about mm. anyway i get yeah. that i i feel like you would be str- like i don't know what else you could do with this character at this point because i weirdly don't think that that like i just don't think that that first movie when it was made they really had sequels and franchises in mind 
So I think when they made that second movie and it came out as good as it was, that was kind of a miracle. Yeah. And then they made that third one and they was like, we don't know what we're doing. And I think the fourth it one almost, is just an attempt to wrap it up. It almost up. feels like they just, yeah, they just really rushed everything, especially by the time you get to the end of number two, right? Because you've had Shrek, who's this new character, and Fiona, who's for all intents and purposes, you know, a combination of Cinderella and um, Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and um, Rapunzel. You know, she's kind of an amalgamation of all the like Disney princesses, you know, um, but also an ogre. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, and then you have you, you have the dragon thing. You have the rescuing the dragon. You have the the they're even like introduced Pinocchio and the big bad wolf kind of as just like funny side characters um, and the three blind mice, you know, and then by the time you get to two, they introduce the fairy godmother and the prince charming. And like, it just feels like they put all their, like they just they played their hand too soon. And then they're just like, oh, what else can we do? Uh, Rumpelstiltskin, you know, and for Puss and Boots, like a uh, Humpty Dumpty, I guess, you know. Um, I don't even remember who the bad guy was in the third. Um, it, it was just was. Prince Charming again. Oh, that's right. It was Charming again. But it was like Charming working with somebody or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, like, because it was like some like kid, right? Anyway, like kid oh, kingdom ruler thing. Oh, no, no, no. So they wanted to get Justin Timberlake, who was Fiona's cousin, to come help them yes. out. And he was like, wait a minute, I don't want to do this anymore. And they was like, well, you're in it now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, I... So, so it almost just feels like, kind of like you guys mentioned, like, I don't really know where the franchise goes from here. Like, it feels like you do a reboot, but you do it slower. You know, you don't start off laying down as many cards as you did. You know, you introduce the big bad wolf, you know, with this whole movie, you know, and, uh, you know, put something like Pinocchio and Three Vine Lies can still be there. But I don't know. Like, it also just feels like, you know, maybe you can add them as you go along. Like, you know, that jump from Shrek to Shrek 2 by the addition of Puss in Boots, you know, just really helps it. So, mm-hmm. Um, I also really loved kind of seeing like the way that some of the characters changed because of like Shrek's like uninvolvement. Like, like it's kind of, it's a wonderful lifey. Cause it's like, look how bad, you know, your friends have it without you, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's also like, I, like I really loved seeing fat puss and I really loved, uh, you know, kind of like the, like donkey kind of felt fresh, which is um, he was getting pretty tiresome by the end of third, third. Cause he was just the same thing over and over again. So he kind of felt fun again. Um, but yeah, especially like Fat Puss, but still trying to do like, you know, his like, look at me, I'm really cute eyes. And then it was just like, <laughs> it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, it's still it's still fun. It, like like it's still clearly like the same franchise. Like it, it hasn't lost too much of what makes Shrek Shrek. It's just more and more and more. And that could get a little tiresome. But I had fun with this movie. It's it's like, you know, exactly what you're getting into from the fourth Shrek movie uh, is all I should say. Sure. Yeah, that feels fair. Yeah, I uh, back to what you were saying about Donkey. I do think that Eddie Murphy, uh, it's not like an amazing performance, but I do love the way that he does portray Donkey and how they wrote Donkey this time around, because we're typically used to him always wanting to want to tag along and always be there. And it's just kind of refreshing to see him kind of just want to do his own thing and be like, leave me alone. You're going to get me in trouble. I just want to <laughs> just get through this. Yeah. Um, another thing to admire is that s- s- like this movie actually gave Fiona some agency, which was really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially like there was some really fun, like action sequences near the end of this one. Um, and again, like Fiona was doing most of the stuff, and like especially like seeing how her character is now the like leader of this resistance against Rumpelstiltskin, you know, and um, he, like it just it felt like Fiona was 
the damsel in distress in the first one, and she was the um um she was just I mean, kind of there in the wife for a little bit. Right. She, yeah, she was just kind of the even in Shrek the Third, they kind of like literally shove her off screen for a while, you know. It was kind of nice to see that her char- her character in a lot of ways, like this movie might have been more about Fiona than it was about Shrek, you know. Um it was just nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um especially for this this would have been what, like two thousand and nine, maybe? Two thousand ten, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. I mean, either yeah. way, like for for you know, this is kind of just before animation really started at or like movies in general but especially animation like really started to be like oh girls are more than just you know the the wife or the mom or the anyway right let's um, actually especially give, especially give for like non-pixar movies you know yeah um but that being said the the movie is just relatively like straightforward and safe and that's ultimately like my, my mm-hmm. biggest problem with it like it's, it's every beat like you can kind of see coming and you know it, it's it's just it's not it's not exciting because from the the moment that the movie actually gets going you can tell exactly how it's going to play out for the rest of the time and totally. like it kind of does some little things along the way like when you find out that fiona's like the resistance leader she's like she's not in the castle anymore and you know like it does some little things along the way but in terms of like overall story structure and where the movie goes and the message it brings like it's not it's not bringing anything new to the table and that's ultimately like why i kind of just landed on like it's fine it's harmless but that just means it lands in just okay like there's right. nothing special about it but there's nothing terrible about it either mm-hmm. yeah all my notes consist of <laughs> that's fair yeah i just was really excited that like like you said they kind of recycled three and i'm cool with that because this is a really nice apology letter in my opinion <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like there's certainly an argument to be made of just this is three redone um and maybe that's what they were do- hoping for is you know we really wanted a trilogy but three sucked so one, two, and four. That's our trilogy. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, of course, they didn't call it Shrek 4. They called it Shrek Forever After. So, oh. you know, they oh. don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so they don't necessarily need to acknowledge that three existed. Aside from the presence mm-hmm. of the kids, I guess that's really. And, and the fact that the that the king is dead. I feel like that's really the only thing that they need to acknowledge from there. Long live the king. Yeah. They, they brought <laughs> him back anyway in a flashback. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah, but you have John Cleese, so you really exactly. want to not bring you, him back. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta give him another money for another yacht. <laughs> um, do we have anything else to say about Shrek Four? Sorry, sorry, Shrek Forever After. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or as I like to call it, Shrek the Final Chapter. Wow. And fun fact: this is my last note. So, Shrek the Final Chapter, 2010, also came out in 2010. Saw the final chapter. Coincidence? <gasps> I think not. <laughs> hmm. How we're going to have to put these movies on side by side and see how they compare. Which uh, which saw trap would John Kramer put Shrek in and why would he put him in one is the real question. Um, it you would be. You don't appreciate the life you have with the family. No. You <laughs> and my first thought would it would for sure be the the pound of flesh one for the beginning of Saw 6 where they have to like, because, you know, because gluttony yeah. is the obvious one, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Cut, cutting off as, you know, as body parts. You're no longer the feared ogre you used to be. no but definitely the one about not appreciating your family yeah yeah right it would probably be like shrek would oh man now i'm just thinking (laughs) like somebody needs to make a saw movies because it would be like it would be like the saw movies where like you have the one person whose job is to save everybody else from the trap right right shrek has to like save fiona from a trap and save each of his kids from a trap you must choose which of your children to dangle into a pit of boiling acid (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh boy 
I don't um, even remember their names. I was going to do a bit with their names, but I, I can only remember Fergus. Oh, I was going to say, do they have names? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely Fergus. <laughs> oh, boy. I think that's where we end before this gets off the rails. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, Alex, do you have anything else? Oh, no. I just, I really had a fun time with this one, and I was expecting to at least come out, like, on the okay side, but I was surprised at how actually decent this one was for me. Sure. Yeah. Let's um, move into Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, real quick, let's talk about our history with the franchise uh, of the Muppets. I'll go first because I saw Muppets Christmas Carol for this podcast, and that's my history. Like, I didn't grow up <laughs> with... Well, I grew up with, I think, definitely Muppets from Space, maybe take Muppets, Manha- uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, but I cannot remember anything about them. Um, so I don't know that I ever actually watched Takes Manhattan, but I definitely watched From Space, but I don't remember anything about it. So... I, I didn't even see the 2011 film until a day before I watched Most Wanted. So um, I have very little history with the Muppets and I um, very little history with the Muppets, which almost felt weird because like this, even though like 2011 was like a reboot, like it's still definitely just like a straight up sequel. You know, it's just essentially just revitalizing the Muppets. And so anyway, um, then you get to Most Wanted, which is definitely a sequel. <laughs> um but anyway um yeah so i don't know um very little history but you know i saw christmas carol and really liked it so you can go check that out on an episode um mm-hmm. and for what it's worth i really 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 liked the jason siegel one 2011 um had a lot of fun with that one um rowan you picked this one so alex let's go with you next oh, okay this is the one where they live on the street right hmm? that's a sesame street joke <laughs> uh Oh, <laughs> I, I think I, I think it's okay. I think I, we'll get into it, but I think it's okay. Oh, uh, your history with Muppets. Oh, yeah, I, I nothing. This is my first, uh, <laughs> my first going into. So nice and Rowan. Um, so I had seen the original Muppets movie from the seventies when I was younger, and I saw two thousand eleven when that came out. Then I saw Muppets Most Wanted when when it came out, and Muppets Take Manhattan last year. But those are the only like I didn't. I wouldn't say I necessarily grew up with them. Like they weren't a big part of my childhood, much like Shrek two and Shrek three. Um, but uh, I could not tell you. We'll get into it, of course. But I could not tell you why I connected with Muppets Most Wanted as as much as i did and i am excited to talk about it um well let's do that real quick um before we get into our ratings rowan muppets most wanted was one of your picks and my question is out of the hundreds of movies you could have picked for muppets most wanted was one of the one of the highest ones you had why uh this movie why 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 did you really want to let's talk about muppets Mm -hmm. i really want to see not not muppets 2011 of course muppets most wanted yeah which which then made me have to watch Muppets before Most Wanted. <laughs> yeah. So Muppets Most Wanted to me is what the Muppets can do with a blank check. Um, because the original Muppets movies were, so, like from the 80s, were sort of um, constricted by budgetary constrictions uh, of, of all sorts. And Muppets movies these days have a a trillion celebrity cameos and they can do whatever they want with the puppets and they can globe trot and they can it's 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 one of the most insane things i've ever seen um and the reason i put it so high on my list one is because i feel like people a lot of people or, or sorry less people have seen it than the muppets 2011 uh and and so i feel like it's pretty underseen and also underrated um 
and if I can if I can expose it to more people uh, that you know who might potentially love it, you know, then I will have done my job. Even if they don't love it, I just that you get a certain rush from people watching a movie either on your recommendation or because they have to for a podcast that you're going to be on, uh, and that is fun in and of itself. Uh, just because I. I have no idea why this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time, but every time I watch it, I laugh myself silly. Uh, I think it's so clever, and I just come away with a giant smile on my face. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so, on that note, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, I think it's just okay. Love it. Hands down. <laughs> Alex? I think it's okay. I didn't like it. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. See, I think part of it for me is that I saw it in a theater maybe three times. And when, when did this come out? 2014. I was 11, I think when, when it came out. Um, and I just, I, I feel like that was the perfect age to appreciate it and to get enough of the jokes where I could want to go back again and again and see them again in a theater and also just have silly, goofy fun with it. And I think that has carried over um, a lot into my i guess i'm i guess i'm only I, i've only been an adult for a couple of years uh but into my into my adult life um and this is probably my biggest uh nostalgia pick i suppose you know we all have movies from our childhood that we like you know perhaps more than more than um more than the masses and this is that one for me sure uh yeah and that's totally fair mm-hmm. um you know nostalgia goggles are real and that's why you know totally. when, when when initially doing this podcast you know the goal one of the weeks every month was for nostalgia goggles. So, um, which is how we got started on Shrek. But, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of my, I don't want to say like disdain for the movie, but just dislike of the movie is that I'm just so unfamiliar with these characters and this world and whatnot. Like I, because I didn't grow up with the Muppets and like, I know that Kermit and Miss Piggy are like pretty like iconic, um, characters in pop culture like they've shown up or been referenced to in things for decades um but um even when the muppets weren't like actively making new stuff you know um or at least didn't feel like they were i don't know um it feels like we were talking before we started recording it feels like there was a big like stretch between like the christmas carol and manhattan and space Totally. All the way up until like the Jason Siegel one. So, and I'm sure they were making some stuff, but um, yeah, no, it felt like, um, uh, li- like because I'm so unfamiliar with most of these characters, um, it just really felt like I was missing out on the joke, or, um, or like there was certainly some moments where it felt like they were, you know, playing the hits. Um, you know, like there's certain characters that just do like the same thing over and over again, and that's why it's funny, you know, like Animal with his drum set. Um, which then I thought was actually really funny. You know, them, was that this one or no, it was, it was the, the 2011 Muppets where they had Jack Black and were like, you can't play no drums. <laughs> yeah. like, I really liked that. Uh, I thought it was really fun. Um, and maybe like my favorite, like running joke, you know, especially, and again, you talk about Muppets having an unlimited budget, right? Where you get, you know, Jack Black and, um, and Jason Siegel and Amy Adams and yeah. you know, like a bunch of other people. But yeah, like this one. This one certainly had a lot of uh, a lot of big stars in it. Um, so, like, I don't know. It just feels like because I'm unfamiliar with with these characters that it feels like everybody kind of adores. Um, it just felt like I was missing out on something. So um, mm-hmm. we'll see. But it did make me interested. Like, I, I liked the movie enough and I definitely like 2011 enough that, like, I'm really interested in going back and watching you know, those original ones um, that I haven't seen. So, yeah. Um, 
can you guys can we try to remember what the cameos that were in this movie oh my lord just like what <laughs> like, my, my personal favorite one i loved tom hiddleston as a scapo yeah i thought that was like the funniest <laughs> thing in the movie um i love tom hiddleston i love stanley tucci as the the, yes. the guard at the gulag danny Trejo. Oh. this isn't really a cameo but danny trejo <laughs> just playing danny trejo uh, yeah, I and, thought was, and Ray Liotta yeah. playing himself. Yeah. The the Josh Groban cameo also yeah. killed me. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, uh, James McAvoy as the as the UPS guy that brings uh, oh, Sam yes. Eagle the giant badge. I thought was fun. Uh, Hugh Bonneville from Downton Abbey as the Irish journalist who uh, Dominic is paying off, and then he said, "I I'm a journalist. I have integrity. I'm kidding, of course. How much? I just thought was hilarious too." Um, There's the uh, Rob Corddry in the beginning, and yeah. um, Chloe Grace Chloe Grace Moretz there for a yeah, hot second. Totally, totally. Uh, P Diddy, Sergio Ronan was in too. The Usher one where they're the <laughs> wedding and they're like, "Excuse me, is there an Usher?" He's like, "I'm the Usher." <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and I really liked the return of Zach Galifianakis's character. Yeah. He's like, "What Bojo? Hobo? Hobo <laughs> Joe? Yeah." yeah. <laughs> um, I was so was, confused by that. <laughs> He was, I think he's only in that 2011 Muppets movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, he, and that was just a really fun, yeah, fun thing for him to see, to see him. And then, um, of course, the Celine Dion cameo as yeah. well. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this yeah. is, that was awesome. But yeah, no, for sure, Escapo was the standout. And, and the way they used Usher was so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and how have we not talked about Jermaine Clement? Yeah, I guess he's more than a cameo. Yeah, but, yeah, he's, he's, um, I mean, he, he is he just bright brightens up every scene he's in. <laughs> he's the best part of this movie yeah. by far. Um, like there was a moment I, I wrote it down. Where was it? Um, nope. I just wrote down. I love his character. Um, oh, I was really hoping to remember. He, like, he's uh, just a master of accents too. His Russian accent is feels very exaggerated, but also it just feels so on point. Yeah. Yeah. Christoph Waltz. We missed him. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Did I mention Lady Jones Gaga as the guard? Yeah, yeah. Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett popped up uh, in in the beginning song, in the opening song. Oh, yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, Toby Jones, uh, Tom Sharonin, I think played. Yeah, Sir Sharonin was, was a ballet dancer. I think in the opening, very briefly. Okay. Um, yeah. Hayek, <laughs> um, and Fra- and Franklin Gella is the priest. That was yeah. I was thinking of. <laughs> oh man. So, yes, I, I really loved the cameos. I really loved every time that you'd see. And you're like, oh, that's this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, uh, blank check. They can get whoever they want to do whatever they want. It, 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 it's great. And get them to to pose for crappy green screen uh, for the last uh, song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, but for sure, Escapo was the um, was the one. Totally. Yeah. Um, nice, nice to die, Escapo. <laughs> Alex, what would you like to say about this movie? Uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief and short. Uh, I didn't walk away with too many thoughts on this one. I had a pleasant time, but again, uh, this is my first intro to the Muppets. I wouldn't call it a good one. <laughs> I'd probably have to check out that 2011 one because y'all are seeming pretty high on that. It's really uh, good. And there's an Oscar winning song in it. That's actually great. Wait, is it? Is it? Man, did Man or Muppet win an Oscar? Man or Muppet, it yeah. won an Oscar? I didn't know that. That's crazy. 
I'm pretty nice. sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out at some point. But uh, I, I mean, as much as I was able to keep up with like your main cast, like, you know, Kermit and Piggy and the imposter and this weird gulag prison that uh, you just get sent to <laughs> just suddenly uh, that the prison stuff was a whole lot of fun, which is weird because you never want to say that prison's fun. <laughs> uh, I love. Yeah, uh, Man, Man of Muppet is Oscar winner. First, wow. first Oscar win ever for the Muppets. That's yeah. crazy. I but mean, it's so deserved. 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 I uh, I I did really love the bit about Ty Burrell and the blue Muppet just going back and forth with like, <laughs> I've got a bigger badge. And like James McAvoy literally just like rolls him with his the giant one. He's like, oh, yeah, you were saying my name I, is Jean. <laughs> so I actually wrote down that I, I don't think a lot of the humor works for me uh, in this movie, but they're like. The little jokes worked really well. The big ones did not land at all. Interesting. Um, like like the one like at the end where it's like uh, Miss Piggy like needing to tell between the two Kermits, and he goes, "Will you marry me?" And then the one's like, "Yes," and then the other one's like, "Uh, uh, uh," and she's like, "It's my Kermit." Like I was like, <laughs> "That's clear." Like I didn't like like that didn't make me laugh or anything. Like none of the big jokes really seemed to land, but it was all the little ones. That's why I think that Jermaine Clement worked really well, yeah. and you know Danny Trejo and Ray Liotta. And, like, the fact that, like, Tina Fey was a really bad performer, um, you know, like, that worked really well for me as well. Uh, but, yeah, that badge scene just slayed me, you know. <laughs> uh, you must be looking just... at the wrong badge. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to me. The other one that I wrote down that I really liked was um, The Wall, where they're like, we'll put you on the wall. And it's like, what is that? And they just like, lick him and throw him at an eye. <laughs> um it's it's so funny because a lot of like like i love like i i actually kind of agree with you aaron in that a lot of the bigger jokes aren't as funny or clever i think as like the minor jokes like in the opening song when they're trying to decide what to do for a sequel and the swedish chef is in a scene from the seventh seal for a second and then and then kermit's like i don't think americans watch subtitle films i thought that was just so funny and a joke that no no one under the age of 20 is going to understand i i feel like any scripted joke didn't work and then any joke that was just them on set being like hey let's make this joke felt really funny um like like that's kind of the way i felt like the improv stuff to work and then any like anything that felt scripted didn't um except for the jean frequently like taking holidays like i'm off to my eight eight week paid leave like uh, like but we got to apprehend the bad guy like or we got to wait for them to arrive or like or he's like you know hmm interesting you know this clue well it's five o'clock time for me to <laughs> i'm on my lunch break it lasts six hours <laughs> like, like both thro- like both commenting on you know the the work structure difference between america yeah. and the rest of the world but also just like <laughs> You know, that really funny, like, hmm, I'm a detective, but it's five o'clock. And <laughs> yeah. I got to go home now. <laughs> like, like was real, like was really funny. Uh, There's also um, a great joke in that's not actually in the movie, but it's in it's on the soundtrack that I always laugh whenever I, I listen to it. It's during the interrogation song. And there's a lot more in the actual song than there is in the movie. And one of them is they're inter- is they're interviewing the Swedish chef and he goes, I'm shaky, but I'm good. And then, and then the, and then Ty Burrell is like, what was he saying? And then the translator goes, what the chef said was schnoopty schnoopty schnoo. It's not Swedish, <laughs> which I think is just so funny. And 
I don't know. I, I, I just love the sort of meta humor about like, this is how like real life people, like, even though it's pretty surreal, like this is sort of how real life people would like look at the Muppets and like see how actually crazy they are. Um, and even though they themselves are like, like very funny uh, archetypes, uh, I, I, I just really appreciate that aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, Okay, let me say one positive that's related to what you said, and then I want to get into the reasons why I actually didn't like this movie. Um, but I am enjoying talking about it, so that's yeah. good. Um, that song, the interrogation song, is by far the best in the soundtrack. Um, I actually really liked that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my only other note on the soundtrack is that I don't really like any of the songs all that much. That's um, fair. Which is a contrast, because that 2011 Muppets film... Like, yeah. obviously, Man or Muppet is the standout, but I generally liked most of the songs. It was just Man or Muppet that was elevated, but I can't think of one that I, like, didn't like. But, like, for this most wanted, it, most of them I was just, like, the intro one was fine, but then, like, I didn't like most of the songs except for the interrogation one. Um, so, like, I, I don't know. Like, it just felt like may- maybe maybe because I watched them, like, day or two apart, but, like, it really feels, I really felt Jason Siegel's absence yeah um like and i really felt um like a lot of that clever stuff just was missing um so and speaking of jason siegel's absence ricky gervais just doesn't work in this movie um and i don't know why like they thought he would be the guy to carry the next muppets movie that was so positive and uplifting um like I get why, because like with way his character is, you know, where he's playing Dominic bad guy, um, which was also, I think, a really clever joke. The, it's, it's, bad bad it's French. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's so like, like I get why, but also like I, I get why his character, but he's, he's not the lead. Like that's that's one of the biggest problems with this movie is your bad guy is the lead. And that's it, it didn't work. And not only that, but I think separating Kermit from the rest of the Muppets was a really bad choice narratively. Interesting. Um, and like, I like how ultimately the end of it was just saying how underappreciated Kermit was um, to the rest of the Muppets and how they didn't even notice that he was gone. But like every every part of this movie as a concept just felt like why on earth did the studios think this was the best idea like was this literally just the only idea and they're like we have to capitalize because people like the muppets again like you know whatever is the first script on my desk will go because i'm like the idea of a world tour interesting maybe even the idea of like the muppets being wanted for for like the jewel heist thing so that way they can be on the world tour and also like unknowingly be tracked by interpol kind of interesting idea right Mm -hmm. maybe could go for it but but starring the bad guy as our lead human and also Kermit being in a Russian gulag separated from the rest of them. Like, yo, and, and the Muppets being like infuriatingly stupid about how, um, the Constance, Constantine, Constantine, the world's most dangerous frog. Even like, (laughs) (laughs) like the, like how just stupid the Muppets are for not noticing. Like yeah. it's infuriating how different he is. Um, he and, the and, and like, I, I get that it's the point, you know, <laughs> also the fact that the most evil frog in the world looks exactly like Kermit, but with the ball, <laughs> it's just like, it's like everything from like, from a narrative perspective, the very bare bones is like, okay, maybe, but the, but the way they actually go about the movie just felt everything felt wrong and disconjointed. And it's like, 
not aggressively so like not to the point like or like at least some of the stuff worked to where like i didn't hate the movie but i think i think i really like the idea of this movie it just has some execution issues and i think maybe could have used a little bit more time in the screenwriting and draft and whatever process you know like uh to make it a little bit more i don't know fun or entertaining or whatever uh um, that's, so, that's and like very, i i also fair. totally yeah. understand that like the muppets movie have a lead only for one film like and then they just move on like i like michael kane was only in christmas carol you know like i get that that's kind of the thing they do so i'm not even necessarily saying i really wish jason siegel was there i'm just saying like somebody better than ricky gervais you know mm-hmm. it, it, maybe even if the movie like didn't have that ricky gervais character like more as a supporting and you get to focus more on the on jean you know like that might be more fun mm-hmm. to me yeah no i i, I totally totally get it so it felt like um, uh, he was sticking mostly to the script, and I feel like an actor like Ricky Gervais, you'd want to let him do a little bit of improv. But it felt like mostly well, he was just, but not for a it. PG movie, you know. Well, not like that. But <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean. Like, like he's a very like cynical, wants to push all the buttons, and I love him for that. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that's all my notes, uh, but I'm happy to continue listening and contributing to whatever conversation comes about from this movie. I don't know. I guess I don't really have too much left to say um, other than like, I totally understand where this 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 is coming from. I just saw it at, at, at a time in my life where it was perfect in my eyes. And even though I can understand and recognize how it's maybe not the best movie ever, I still really love watching it. Uh, and and I appreciate it for what it did for me and what it still does for me in terms of enjoyment. I um, this is the one of the few times after we watched a movie that I've never seen that I put it in the cell pile. And I know that's going to break your heart, Rome, but <laughs> um, but it was an easy choice for me because I didn't really love it and I could see myself watching it again. Um, but I do like I own it digitally, so I'm just getting right. rid of my like physical movie because I'm also trying to be like, you know, like I, I really need to like get rid of some movies that I don't actually genuinely see myself liking. And like mm. I liked it enough, but it's like it'll be on Disney Plus or like I do own it digitally. So I'll still own it. Um, but I, I'm, I put my Blu-ray in the cell pile just because um, I might watch it once or twice the rest of my life. But I will watch that Jason Siegel one maybe a dozen times. Totally. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I do agree um, that that one is an objectively better movie, like hands down. Yeah. And and maybe, I don't know, like, like, like I said, I'm having fun talking about this. I think a lot of the little jokes work. It also just, like this movie felt way too long. Like it's almost two hours. Like that first Muppet movie is like barely a hundred minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just kind of works. This one definitely felt like, like 20 minutes too long. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah. my last note. Very good. Alex, what do you think? Does this make you want to watch any other Muppet movies? Uh, well, based on what you guys were saying, I'll, I'll definitely get around to that first one. But this one didn't do a whole lot for me. I didn't hate it. I don't really have anything majorly bad to say about it. I just think it's all right. I mean, I think that's kind of where critics landed, too. Like, Yeah, totally. Like, it's it's got decent press, but it's also, like, nowhere near some of the other ones. I know that Muppet's Christmas Carol is iconic, and for good reason... That 2011 Muppets movie is great. And I know there's a lot of love for the originals. I just can't vouch for any of them. But I would definitely recommend that 2011 one. And if you really like that, then definitely check out Christmas Carol. Uh, and you know, we'll kind of see. I'll let you know which ones are worth watching after I watch them. But yeah, no, I'm definitely really interested in some of them. But um, mm-hmm. with that in mind, let's move on to our B plot. Because I thought this was, was really struggling with what we could do. Because like my first thought was like, 
maybe let's do a fantasy cast. But it's like, well, the Muppets, like you don't recast them. And <laughs> Shrek is like, I wouldn't recast them because they're it's first of all, it's just I guess like we could have done like a live action Shrek. But like, I still feel like I'd put some of the same actors in the same roles, you know, like um, anyway, um, like if you if we really want to do that. So like, I, I don't know, like fantasy cast didn't really seem right. Um and, like, I don't have a super big history with Muppets. So, you know, Rob was talking about, like, what's the Muppets next thing? I'm like, you know what? Whatever. That's fine. We'll do it. We'll go with that because I can't think of anything better. Um, and you know what? I, I'm actually really excited about this B-plot. So the B-plot is essentially what is the Muppets next movie? Um, what would you like to see? Alex, I think this is actually really interesting for you because it's what would what would make a good Muppets movie for you? So... Um, so I'm glad you asked because uh, so to my understanding, uh, the Muppets sometimes likes to do like classic tales, like you said, uh, Christmas Carol, and they retell the stories with their Muppets, basically. And typically they only have like one human actor whenever they do that. Uh, I'm not going to steal this one. I did like the idea of Knives Out, but somebody else already came up with that oh, idea. Yeah, and I, I loved that. I, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> I that would be so good. Yeah. So that was going to be it, but I wanted to go original. And because like I kind of hinted at earlier, I just came off a huge Saw binge. Let's remake <laughs> that very first Saw movie. But it Tobin Bell is the only one that uh, that's the human and everybody else is just Muppets. Now, do you have like who is playing who? I, I would put uh, Kermit as Dr. Gordon and Fozzie Bear as Adam. I might switch hey. those two around, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Miss Piggy fit in this? Uh, we could either make her Amanda, or we could just replace Jigsaw completely with, with Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Oh, oh, that's incredible. Um, <laughs> just imagine Miss Piggy shutting the door on. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, <laughs> game over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's got like. Since they they're like puppets and they're made of cotton, you take like the happy time murders route where like it it looks like it's supposed to be gory, but it's just cotton that's going everywhere whenever <laughs> anything bad happens. Oh, that's hilarious! Oh man, Kermit like sawing off his leg and like cotton is coming out of Fuzzy's. Like, oh my god! Oh, oh! <laughs> walk, walk, don't do that! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually really funny. I love that. The oh man. That would be like a really perfect like YouTube short. Is this the YouTube video you were mentioning? <laughs> uh, no, that would that would drive me insane. <laughs> yeah, well, especially because like you you'd have to do the voices or get the voices. Yeah, no, that's that feels like one of those like where you could like make a little trailer, you know, and everybody would be like, yes, like yeah. I love that, you know, <laughs> like where they like recut Home Alone to be a horror movie or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, like oh boy, I love that. Um, Rowan, I would like for you to go next. Of course. Uh, well, I'm going to actually piggyback on the uh, Muppets uh, recreating a story. I'm going to go slightly more classic. Uh, my pick, so one, my favorite book of all time, and I've been trying my hardest to get uh, a, a personal adaptation of this off the ground for a while. Um, but this is uh, The Great Gatsby. Uh, I would love to see a Muppets Great Gatsby. I don't know who the human character would be maybe Nick Carraway, uh, uh, the, the main character and, and narrator. And we're seeing the whole Muppet uh, like love triangle story uh, through, through his eyes. Um, have you guys, did, did you guys read Gatsby in school or have you read it or seen it since, or seen the Leonardo DiCaprio film? I read it in high school, thought it was fine. Mm -hmm. 
and I think the and I've seen the Baz Luhrmann one and the Tobey Maguire one, uh, yeah. not, um, the Robert Redford one. Mm-hmm. And they're both fine. Yeah, um, I, I am mostly unfamiliar. Yeah, that's 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 very fair. Uh, I think Kermit, of course, would have to be the Gatsby character, uh, or maybe Kermit or Gonzo or Fozzie. One of them, actually, no, I don't know. Uh, well, one of them's Gatsby. Actually, I have to imagine Kermit would be Gatsby and Miss Piggy would be Daisy, uh, seeing as they're the central uh, love story. Uh, maybe Fozzie or Gonzo would be Tom, uh, which is who is, for those unfamiliar, uh, Daisy's um, emotionally abusive and sometimes physically abusive uh, husband. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just think that this would be fun, especially such a dramatic story. Bringing the Muppet sort of levity to it, I think, would be a challenge and and i i feel like some you know some people i do believe could do it and could do it very well and also it's in the public domain now so they should go for it <laughs> oh nice yeah nice okay i'm putting my finishing touches on <laughs> this because i'm really happy with my uh my answer though because i also went the route of i would like the muppets to recreate a classic story yes um because like i like I I think that they could easily do a sequel to Most Wanted and it would be fine, you know. I mean, they they could even just make like an original Muppets story and all would be okay, you know. But let's be honest, like these are more fun. Yeah, um, totally. Like like I I'm more excited about the idea about like you know Muppets Christmas Carol than I am you know Muppets Most Wanted, you know. Um, which is not to say that I'm like not excited if you know whatever Muppets project they come out with next, I'd check out. You know, especially like I know they've been doing a lot of Disney Plus shorts, and honestly, I think that's probably the best venue for to go in the theater. But I thought, what's a classic story that could just be really fun if it's the Muppets touch? And you know what? We're already talking about Shrek, so my next Muppets movie is Shrek starring the Muppets. Yeah, oh, love <laughs> yes. it. And I even went out and I picked a bunch of I picked all of our main. Muppets, um, and I have assigned each of them a role from either Shrek one or two because I feel like the best version of Shrek would be an amalgamation of you. They wouldn't just do Shrek two, so you got to have some elements of Shrek one, uh, and uh, and so I have casted um, Shrek two or Shrek one and two using Muppet characters. I just you guys can help me out because I have one character that I'm missing, um, and we can figure out who that should be together. So. I really didn't want to do this, but Kermit and Fiona are, or Kermit and Miss Piggy are Shrek and Fiona. Like, I really wanted to pick somebody different, but because Miss Piggy's the only female Muppet and there's that love interest, like, it kind of has to be the two of them. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I really wanted to pick, like, Fozzie Bear for Shrek, but, like, you know, because there's only one female Muppet, it just didn't work. Um, unless you just remove Fiona, but then that <laughs> removes. Anyway. Uh, can't do that. So, Kermit and Miss Piggy have to be Shrek and Fiona. I have Fozzie Bear playing Donkey. I feel like that's the right call. Um, I have Animal playing Puss in Boots, <laughs> which I'm a big fan of. Um, I have... <laughs> oh, man, I'm so excited for the rest of these. Um, I have Walter playing Pinocchio. Um, <laughs> you know, especially playing with that I'm a real boy. You know, am yeah, I a man right, or a Muppet, right. you know? Love it. We can even, re- we can even reprise uh, Man or Muppet <laughs> In this movie. Imagine Pinocchio from Shrek singing Manor Muppet in his like shrill, high pitched voice. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was one of my favorite jokes in Shrek Forever After was where like he's about to sign, he's about to be a real boy, the contract gets taken away. He's like, no, no, no. Like he's like he knows <laughs> yeah. it's bad, but he just wants to be real boy. Um I have Sam the Eagle playing the big bad wolf. That feels right. <laughs> <laughs> um I have Scooter. 
um, playing the fairy godmother because nice. again, no female cast. And yeah. since Scooter is like the production manager, it's very much fairy godmother energy. Oh man, I'm so excited for the rest of these. Um, naturally, um, the Swedish chef has to be the Muffin Man, and we'll okay. give him a combined role of Gingy too. You know, um, <laughs> oh nice, yeah. Well, the Swedish chef will be the Muffin Man and Gingy. Um, I have Gonzo as the Mirror um, from <laughs> Trek One. <laughs> Love it. See it. And playing Farquad, I have Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to, you know, I wanted to emphasize, you know, him being really dumb. And so just him, you know, <laughs> you would just be, you know, just, just imagine Shrek, but you know, Farquaad says nonsense the whole time, uh, which he already does. But yeah, I mean, you wouldn't get some of those classic lines, like one of you may die, but that's a sacrifice. Um, I have, uh, <laughs> Statler and Waldo as the king and queen. <laughs> Um, and I have Rizzo the Rat playing <laughs> Prince Charming. <laughs> I very specifically wanted Prince Charming to be ironic in this, you know, that he wouldn't actually be attractive or anything. Yeah. So, uh, as far as my human, uh, Andy Samberg is going to be in this. Um, I don't know what he's doing. He's probably just playing Andy Samberg in this thing. So he'll be our, <laughs> our partner. So um, love it. So Ooh, that's he can my be human Shrek. Ah. Oh yeah, Love that's perfect. perfect. There we go. Andy Samberg is human Shrek, and Kermit is yeah. Especially because like Andy Samberg can then still like talk like Kermit, like do a <laughs> Kermit impression while he's a human. He could. could totally he work. totally could too. That would totally work. Yeah. Um. So the only person that I don't have is Doctor Bunsen Honeydew. I couldn't find a role for him. Hmm. Um. That's tough because he's like. He's sort of like the, you know, he's the nerdy, nebbishy character. Um, I was thinking about just like the potions guy that makes the love potion from Shrek interesting, too. Interesting. Like that could work, yeah. but like that, not really a character on much. Yeah, I mean, you can make him one. Honestly, like not everyone has to be like one of the like lead slash established characters. Um, right. Well, and if we're going to do Shrek 1 and 2, totally. then like we need, we need to just make everything significantly quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So. Totally. Oh. <sighs> I had a lot of fun with that. I'm I'm most yeah. proud of Beaker. As I was about to say, you should be very proud. <laughs> yeah. Especially for not really having much Muppets knowledge. Like, I think I nailed it. Yeah. So, um, oh, I I didn't cast the dragon. It's fine. Yeah. Some other Muppet. A new Muppet can play the dragon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dragon Muppet. You know, the classic the dragon, dragon Muppet. Muppet that everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually originally had Rizzo as the dragon. Um, but then I thought it would be funnier and I was even thinking about animal, but I'm like, no animals, puss in boots. He has to be, you know, especially cause it would be really fun seeing animal put on the puss in boots eyes. You know, obviously he could do the chaotic, mm. but like, it'd be really fun seeing him do the charming and persuasive. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The question is, would he just say, uh, like, like, would he still speak in incredibly broken English and that like deep vibrato or would he speak more eloquently with, with, with more sensibility if he's, if he's puss in boots? I'm getting the like speaking sense, speaking like sense and sensibility when he's, you know, like one line yeah. <laughs> that he has to like, like very much like a Jay and Silent Bob thing, right. you know, where it's like he gets one line a movie, you know, uh, I guess just Silent Bob thing. Yeah. Where he like is, gets one line for the movie and the rest of the time he does his normal shit. So, and it's usually like profound and serious or whatnot, you know, but then for like, whenever we adapt Shrek the fourth, it'll be something stupid. Of course. We're like, oh, his big line is coming up, his big meaningful thing. And it's going to be like, you know, a, a fart joke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. 
Well, I think that'll do it. Yeah. That just leaves the spinoff. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you guys are looking to tell people to check out or to stay away from? Alex, what do you have for us? Uh, my recommendation that I want to give out is uh, Jury Duty. Have either of you seen this yet? I haven't seen it. I want to so badly. It's just a matter of carving out the time to watch it. I, I So I heard good things about it, and I wasn't ever really going to get around to it, but I found myself bored last week with a couple days off, and I was like, all right, I'll hit play, and immediately I was gripped within like the first two minutes. It's basically uh, there are 12 jurors in, participating in a trial, but the thing is the entire trial is fake, and all of the jurors except for one is an actor, and one of the jurors is also James Marsden, who is playing himself, and all of these people that are actors have scripted arcs that they're going through. And this person who doesn't know that it's a trial is unaware that they are participating in a scripted show. It's kind of like if you just were randomly dropped into a world with characters that are going through their arcs, which I guess kind of technically are but like weird, wacky stuff. Like this character has to have his chair pants. He can't leave home without his chair pants or this guy is having relationship problems. How is he going to help him out? And they kind of go about crafting this hero's journey to be like, what type of uh, action does this person take in this situation uh, and how can he improve it? And uh, you got James Marsden playing himself, but like a really arrogant Hollywood snobby type, like I'm too good for jury duty. Why am I here? And it's way better than I thought it was going to be. And I it, believe the hype. It's really good. And I highly recommend it. This nice. sounds so good. I haven't heard of this yet. Yeah, I am um, definitely going to check it out. I heard James Marsden doing an interview about it, and I've I've been aware of it, but I just I, I really have to check it out. I know it's nominated for some Emmys too, um, so I'll have to yeah. check check it out before then. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I think gonna, it's like I'm, I'm going to check this out as soon as I know what the show I'm currently on. <laughs> nice. I think it's like eight episodes, and they're like twenty to thirty minutes each, so it's a quick burn. Cool. Now it says watch on freebie, right? Like, so it's a freebie original. Yeah. And if you but, get Prime, you don't have to watch any of the commercials. Good. That's what cool. I was going to ask. Like, cool. please tell me that it'll work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Great. Very nice. Um, I'll go next because I'm also talking about a TV show. I am um, currently in the middle of season three of The Righteous Gemstones after just watching season two and three. And I got to say, this show is just so great. Um, everybody is perfect um, in their roles and... Um, I'm not as engaged as I was in season two. I think this show has a couple of issues. I think a lot of it is introducing too many characters for the show and then just like not giving them anything to do. Like, I think that Skylar Gazando is really wasted in the show. Um, like, they don't really know what to do with him. Um, like, like, especially a lot of the kid characters, you know, they're just like, oh, they have kids because they would have kids, you know. And then like, there's even a whole arc in season two about like, about like the youngest leaving um soiled undies around the house in odd <laughs> places and then there be and then him being like you're the older brother you need to talk to him about that and it's like then it's just never brought up again and it's like that's <laughs> like it just like it feels like there's a lot of things about the show that don't quite work but so much of the show does work especially the performances i think it's one of the funniest shows on tv right now it's uh it's really clever it's really smart but it's not like overly like you know, like pretentious comedy or anything like that. I think it is uh, 
Um, it's it's Danny McBride making another HBO show that just works. And Vice Principals is one of my favorite. And um, this is, you know, it's definitely by this point in season three, like we're getting that kind of energy, especially because Walton Goggins just cannot do any wrong. So um, Baby Billy's Baba Bonkers. Baby Billy's Baba Bonkers. <laughs> uh, every time that they call him Uncle Baby Billy, it just... <laughs> It kills me every single time because they just so casually like Uncle Baby Billy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So Righteous Gemstones is on HBO um, and Max uh, because it's HBO show, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, which means that it's not going anywhere because HBO is making it, not Max. Um, So um, anyway, just Righteous Gemstones is really good. There's only three seasons out right now. They're about nine episodes each. And if you're not watching it, you should. Uh, yep. So, Roan, what are you uh, talking about? So today, so I, I should say yesterday, um, I watched all five Final Destination movies in one day. Hell yes. <laughs> um, because uh, on the podcast episode that Aaron was on of our other show, uh, Final Destination was a big gap in my uh, in my um, franchise knowledge. And so I just decided to pull the trigger and watch all five yesterday. Uh, I had some spare time and some uh, downtime as well. And holy heck, these movies are insane and so fun. Uh, And what an absolutely brilliant concept for a horror movie franchise too. Uh, one that 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 I feel like they could be doing more with it if there are more in the future. I I should say for those who don't know, Final Destination in every movie there is a catastrophic accident where many people die. Then it's revealed that that accident was a premonition in the mind of uh, someone who was there, the main character. Um, and it's actually right before the accident happens. And so they cause some sort of scene that gets enough of the characters out so that they survive the accident. But of course, they survived, and but they were supposed to die. And so death comes and gets them one by one in progressively crazier uh, Rube Goldberg-esque uh, killing machines. Um, God, the creativity behind some of these scenes in in the Final Destination movies are amazing. Um, And also, one is fun. Two is also pretty good. I also really like three. has Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Four is the biggest piece of crap. Um, But five Mm -hmm. is awesome. Just just such a great time. Uh, And it, it honestly has the most thoughtful and in-depth uh, writing of the series overall has actual character arcs. Uh, the CGI is still kind of iffy, but it's still like really like pretty compelling. Um, and then just a fantastic twist at the end to, 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 to tie the whole series together. Um, uh-huh. And if, if they were to make more, I think, um, I would like to see them just like get even crazier with it. Like do one on the Titanic or something. Just get even even wilder. Uh, oh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, right. I think that th- that there's just such a wealth of material that they have yet to mine um, from this series, and it's been it's been twelve years since the last one, and so I think we're due time. Apparently, there's a sixth in development, but yes, you know, there's we'll a see. sixth in pre production. Yeah. A group of first responders escape death's grab. I will believe it when uh, I see not. it. <laughs> so in September, um, the directors were announced as directors um, mm-hmm. and they were passionate about the film series. So they they did a pitch over Zoom and they used a combination of like recorded footage and visual effects. Um, and it's apparently involving a fire and a malfunctioning spinning ceiling fan, which broke from the ceiling and decapitated. Um 
what it, uh, a character, mm-hmm. and so all the executives and producers erupted into laughter. Love it, green. So it's like it's it's that perfect tone of like it's campy, it's silly, it's kind of scary. Um, yeah, it's one of those like horror movies where you can be scared and then laugh and then be scared and then laugh. You know, yeah. Like it's it's so good. Uh, I am now so. hyper aware of everything around me in my daily life that can kill me. In fact, I sleep in a bunk bed uh, on the bottom bunk, and all it took me a while to get to sleep last night because I all I could think about was the wood that has been great for years and years, just giving out and crushing me underneath the weight of the top bunk. So that just goes to show where my head was at last night. Uh, but yeah, and. It, and it does. There was an article published less than two weeks ago that just says that it will, as soon as the strike is over, it is ready to go. Awesome, so, love it, um, love it. So that strike can end, so we can get Final Destination Six. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> pay your I'm writers so and happy actors. You, I'm so happy that you watched it and loved yeah. them because I just saw that you logged five. I'm like, did he just watch five? Anyway. Yep. No, but yeah. I love I love what you're talking about. I'll like, could they go back and do one in medieval times and you know exactly. just just go back and do one in in Pompeii? You know, right. Like, Oh like, my god, yes. Like could they just get really silly with it and you know, like you can have your main modern day ones, but then you can also have, you know, just these random period pieces. Have like Tony Todd um, pop up like in every single time period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that would be that would be hilarious if they could uh yeah, he's he's always in them. Well, I think it's like It's it's the he's, first He's in he's all only of them in except the first four. Time. So he's he's the voice of the devil ride in three. That's right. And then he he skips four as he should. Um and yep. then and then comes back in five. But yeah. So, yeah, but he's like he's kind of like the the human the personification of this entity that is yeah, totally. killing him. So. Um so skip four. If you're gonna watch the Final Destination series, skip four. Uh, it does it, it for all intents and purposes. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't even acknowledge any of the other ones. I think it's the only one that doesn't acknowledge that the other ones exist. It but. might, it might a little bit, but you, and it's maybe a little bit creative and like they show the deaths via X-ray and like that's interesting, yeah, but yeah. it's also, just not worth. It's it's very much made in like the 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 age. I mean, it was two thousand nine, like the age of like let's make everything three D and let's make it really yeah. in your face and irritating. Well, yeah, the initial title was like Final Destination 3D, mm-hmm. and then and then at home they changed it to the Final Destination. That would be different, but like, yeah, no, it was marketed as the biggest 3D thing in the three. And I saw it in 3D, and it sucked. Yeah, <laughs> 3D was terrible. Yeah, I can so. I, I can imagine. Oh, um, I just wanted to add real quick three little things. One, uh, completely right about Final Destination. Also, uh, I, I mean the Final Destination. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Two, uh, thank you for saying what you said about Final Destination 5 because I have been screaming that for the past few years and that's everything <laughs> that, that yeah. I've been saying. And three, uh, I have a little bit of knowledge on that new one if you guys want to hear it. Yes. Ooh. Okay. So the approach that they're going for this time is more of a hereditary thing. So basically somebody escapes an event that they should have died in and then they go off to build a family tree and now slowly one by one that tree comes back to the person that caused it that's so cool i love it love it so much oh boy i think it's called i think it's called bloodlines or something isn't it final destination bloodlines i I think that's what it is yeah yeah which is just so fascinating um yeah no i uh i'm a big fan of that franchise so i'm happy that you got around to it um also like that the, the the big scene in Final Destination 2 
is like one of the most iconics and it's like all over like you'll see like tiktoks of people driving behind like log trucks and they're like <laughs> i know i was speed around him super quick i know what's gonna yeah. happen and like they'll play that you know that song you know there is someone yeah. walking behind <laughs> like it's just like you'll see it all over the internet yeah. now how like that whole franchise has been has been memed pretty well. Did you so. guys know that they showed me that scene in Driver's Ed? They showed us the highway scene. What? In Driver's Ed? Yeah. I, I can believe that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just for fun, but it was probably. It was I just think it's so funny that they showed a bunch of like 15-year-olds <laughs> the highway scene yeah. from Final Destination. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I'm happy you saw them and I'm happy you loved them because I was really like, oh, I can't wait. Like now now I just need Foster to watch them. Totally. I think uh, he he watched one, uh the first one yesterday. So soon good. Soon good. The trifecta will be complete. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So yeah, no. Uh and I'm really yeah, and definitely five is genius. Uh totally. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap. Yeah. Quick reminder that uh, you can follow uh, Rowan or Alex at the places they mentioned up top. I'll have their like letterboxed linked um, in the episode description. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, letterboxed um, threads, whatever you want at Schweit Castle. And uh, Sip Pop Rising Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you're interested in writing sifpop.com or you want to get in contact with the show, maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot, then email writersroom at sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review at iTunes or Spotify, whichever one you're listening on. Would really appreciate whatever reviews you have. Next week, Robert and Jake are joining me to talk about the Before Trilogy. Uh, finally getting around to that. Um, and in two weeks, Shane and Chris are joining me to talk about Brawl and Cell Block 99 <laughs> and 310 to Yuma. So uh, the James Mangold remake. So um, really exciting couple weeks coming up. Um, but no more or less exciting than um, this week. I had a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for tagging along uh, and talking about Muppets and Shrek with me. So. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank for you for sure. having us. Happy, happy to be here. Alex, we don't, we only have two more films before we complete the the Shrek anthology. Wait, there's... I thought we did the first Puss in, Puss in Boots already. Yeah, but now there's Puss in, Puss in Boots The Last Wish. Oh, okay. Wait. And there's, oh. and there's Shrek the Musical. Oh, no, no. Yeah, get... <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, we'll see if I can convince him to do it. Uh, and maybe we'll, <laughs> Alex will see you back then sometime. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys again. And uh, listeners, we will see you next week to talk about the before trilogy.